Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Friday. I hope that you have had the most amazing, amazing week. If this is your first time tuning into Conversations with Toy, welcome. I hope that every time you tune into this podcast, you feel the most warmest welcome ever. Make sure that one, you listen to the rest of this podcast, but also go through our catalog of all kinds of different topics. I have dating, marriage, children, Uh, how to handle your boss, how to handle your friend that went crazy or not speaking to you anymore, like all kinds of topics. Make sure you go back, listen to it, review it, and make sure that you follow. I want to make sure that this podcast gives you all the things. I'm going to be talking about things like mental health and self-care all the time. I'm going to always talk about those things. That is the, the bread and butter of this podcast. Because again, we want to create a space that people can feel safe enough to know that if they're struggling or they're not exactly the way everybody else wants them to be, there's space here for you. Now, this week has been a very interesting week. I am feeling extremely tired. Um, you know, we always say like we're tired, like, oh, I'm sleepy, but I'm literally feeling extremely tired. So I cannot wait to rest this weekend. Now, today being Friday, it is Cinco de Mayo. Listen, go ahead and just drink your margaritas. Go ahead and get those tacos. Go ahead and do all those things. Just don't do anything that's, um, you know, inappropriate or, you know, rude or ignorant to Mexicans because this is not, this is not the time for that. Just enjoy your drinks. Now drink them responsibly. But enjoy your drinks, whether you do salt, no salt, sugar, no sugar, whatever you choose to do. At the end of the day, just find a way to drink responsibly and have a good time. I know I plan on doing that. However, in my tiredness, obviously things need to get done. So I am still doing like everyone else and persevering. However, I am not the person that is going to try to make people feel like they need to be a martyr. So I say that with a grain of salt by saying, please go ahead and get some rest this weekend and make sure you take care of yourself. I can't stress that enough. There is so much going on in this world. People are, you know, in their essence and losing their minds almost literally. And I just need people to take a step back, take a few steps back and rest. This has been a very heavy media week for me. And I mean a heavy one. And with that being said, I cannot wait for the next coming days where I am going to be on resting. I'm going to be relaxing. I'm just going to be doing all of those types of things. And so I encourage every last one of you to do the same, to find a way to relax. Listen, I don't I don't want to be so much on the scene that I lose my essence. So let's talk about what's been going on these internet streets. First of all, we need to give up prayers for Jamie Foxx. Now, listen, everybody has got a speculation, which means youth are saying what you think is happening. There hasn't been any confirmation of what's going on with him. You know, people are saying that he had a stroke. Some people are saying he had a brain bleed. There's all kinds of conversations that are surrounding this situation with Jamie. This is what I do know. Jamie Foxx is still in the hospital. 
Jamie Foxx's family is requesting our prayers. And that's what we should be giving. When the time is right or if the time ever comes, we may or may not never know what happened to Jamie. One thing I do hope that whatever does happen to Jamie as he heals is that he continues to be himself. Because if you've ever been sick and had something major happen, you know, you hope and pray that you always can go back to what you remember about yourself, your personality, the way that you, you know, live. And Jamie Foxx being an actor, you know, you want to make sure that he can still do the things that he needs to do. You want to make sure he can still sing and bring those things that bring joy to him, still play his piano. Like those are the things I think about when I think about this whole Jamie Foxx situation. So I don't have time to figure out if he had this, this and that, because listen, this, I don't go around telling my health stuff to everybody, right? And you don't go around telling your health stuff to everybody. So Jamie Foxx doesn't owe us. His family doesn't owe us an explanation. Um, his rep doesn't owe us an explanation. I'm sure his job and whatever, whoever else has a need to know, they know. Right. And we are so gullible and so hungry and thirsty for information that we just forget that people are people. So instead of us trying to figure it out, instead of us acting as if we're owed the explanation, Let's just go ahead and do what his family wants us to do, and that is pray. If you feel like you're a Jamie fan, or if you feel like you love what you believe Jamie to be, then we need to be praying for him. In addition, even if you're not a Jamie fan, maybe you're just like, eh, he all right. He's a human being. Send up a couple prayers. Now, what do people do? What do I do personally when people say prayer for some pray for somebody? Or keep me in your prayers? It could be that I'm a PK, which is a preacher's kid. So, you know, you hear that all the time. We would have testimony service and you would hear them give their testimony about what they've overcome or what battle they fought that week or that day. And then they were saying, keep me in your prayers. When somebody says, pray for me, I go and I pray for them immediately. Now, listen, I'm not extending my hand like I'm at, you know, on the throne and I'm at or the pulpit and I'm making a, you know, big old service call. Like that's not what I'm doing. I'll just say in my, within my spirit, right, right then, as soon as somebody say, pray for me, I just immediately pray because we know what happens. We say we're going to pray for somebody and then maybe you don't, you forget. It's not personal. It's not like a diabolical scheme. You just sort of forget because life is happening around you. So when you hear somebody say, pray for me, just remember them, right? And you don't got to be a deep prayer. Like you just call their name. So let's just say a prayer for Jamie and his family because we don't know what's happening. And again, it's none of our business because I know we are so thirsty. We feel like celebrities owe us something, but I promise you they really don't. And I feel like that's the premise of why people are always saying like, hey, why can't we just be you know, human, why can't we go back to that humanality? I don't get it. Uh, Twitch's uh, wife, Allison, has been in the news because she just, you know, did a, I think a story and she's breaking her silence as they call it. And my thing is about this, her breaking her silence, really, she didn't say anything that was out of the ordinary or things that you didn't you know, she didn't give any clarity. I feel like when people was reading about her breaking her silence, quote unquote, that they felt like she was going to drop something that was going to be like, yes, now we finally understand. She didn't. And if you don't know who Allison is, as far as her husband, her husband, Twitch, um, Stephen Twitch boss, I should say is his full name. Twitch is his little, his nickname, not his little nickname, but his nickname. And they were married and they have three I think three beautiful children and he committed what they're saying is committed suicide. Now, every time we hear about somebody committing suicide, 
It should be an alarm in our spirit. Because everybody speculates about, oh my gosh, he could have gotten help. Oh my gosh, he, she, he would have told someone. He probably did have the resources. I mean, I'm assuming that he obviously would have had the resources to get help. But just because you have it don't mean you use it, right? Some people have lotion in their house and they don't use it, right? And I hate to say it like, that way, but that's just to give you a, a, something to look and visualize. There's people who have access to it and there's people who don't have access to it and wish they could have access to it, right? I say all of this to say that we have to be just understanding that at some point, at some point we need to be more careful and understanding of the things that people are going through. And Allison, his wife, again, in my opinion, didn't drop a bomb. She basically told the world what everybody knows when you're grieving. She is grieving. Her husband, unfortunately, hasn't been gone that long. And even if he had begun 10, 20 years, grief never stops. You know, when you love someone wholeheartedly with your whole heart and soul, and you feel like you become one because that's the whole purpose of being married. You learn how to become one. You learn how to become a, it's like one band, one sound. Um, that has to be hard. And I, I don't wish that on anybody. So my thought is we're going to pray for her again. We're going to say a prayer right now and pray that she and her kids are kept in perfect peace, as much peace as possible, that those kids grow up and they learn that their father's love was so great for them. And that, you know, the hard times are going to come because people just forget, like, even though they're kids, especially her, they're younger too, because they have an older daughter. Um, she's a teenager, but the two younger ones, they're not, they're young. They're probably like under 10 years old. And the thought thing is that people think that because they're kids that they bounce back quote unquote quicker or that their grief is minimized. But let me just say, they're going to grow up and there's going to be certain aspects and times that they're going to want their father to be there. And all they're going to have is the limited memories that they have. I have no doubt that Allison is going to keep his memory alive. Even if she was 20 years down the line, 10 years, five years, two years down the line, decide that she's ready to move on to get remarried or just have a relationship. She's never going to forget her husband and she just won't. Um, but as children, they're going to have their moments. You know, when they go to like my husband and my daughter just went to the father daughter dance last weekend. When their their youngest is ready to go to that father daughter dance, it's going to come up. When their oldest is ready to go to prom or graduate and he's not there, it's going to come up. When they get married or you have a big um you get a promotion, you just want to share that with your your parents and their parent, their father is not there. So please don't minimize uh, death for anybody. Please don't minimize grief for anybody. And all I can say is that I will always say this. Please try to get help. If you have the ability to get help, I get it. People have the ability every day, just like Twitch has the ability or had the ability to get help. But sometimes getting help is harder. People always just say, well, just call someone. It's like, who do you call? What, what numbers do I dial? You know, you may be so overwhelmed that you, I've seen people be so overwhelmed, they forget 911, right? And you're that overwhelmed that you can't think straight. It's not as easy just to pick up the phone and call. Oh, call your therapist. What? Because most times people don't even have a therapist, right? They didn't think they needed it. They don't have it in place as a uh, precaution, you know, precaution if something should happen. Listen, I encourage every last person to go see a therapist, every last one. You may say that's not my thing. That's fine. But go ahead and establish yourself 
with a therapist, go see and talk to someone because therapy isn't just for the, for the people who are great, right? Or the people, I should not say the people are great, the people who are, you know, sick, the people who have all these big, long, extenuating, quote unquote, mental health issues. Therapists are just there to help navigate life, right? You could be going to a new job and you may have feelings of anxiety or feeling like how if you're inadequate and all the different things, you can go speak to a therapist. And so I say all that to say this, listen, in times when you're stressed and you're overwhelmed, sometimes you forget the tools that you have in your arsenal, right? You have all the tools in your arsenal to go get help. You know to call your therapist, you know to contact your doctor, you know that you have a friend that you can confide in, you know that you have these different tools, whether it be sleep therapy or whatever you may have. And so we know we have certain tools or most of some of us have the tools, but we don't always enact on it because we're overwhelmed. We're stressed. We're sold down that we're just like we're so down we can't even look up and why am I saying that today because there's somebody listening who may feel that this is what I do when I feel extremely overwhelmed even me who has the tools who knows the tools who knows the steps my therapist and I have made and developed a plan for me that when I start to notice myself going down there are certain things that I do to pull me up and they work almost all the time except for when it doesn't And so what happens when it doesn't, the one thing that I always keep reminding myself when I feel like I'm overwhelmed and I'm at a point where the tools just don't be tooling, like I just feel like they're not connecting or I'm not connecting with the tools, which is most likely the latter. I'm not connecting with my tools. I feel overwhelmed. I'm feeling stressed. And it's like, okay, what's next? I constantly remind myself during that process. When I feel like I don't have any left to think about or I don't feel like I have enough in me to continue on, I always remind myself that joy is coming. I always tell myself, joy is coming. Joy is on its way. Joy is on its way. And I know that's not enough. You know, sometimes it's not enough to think about the joy that could be. It's not enough to think about the joy that's on its way. But I always keep reminding myself that there are going to be better moments ahead. And I know it's easier said to easier said than done. And I've been at points even in the last couple of months where I'm like, I, I can't see it for me. <laughs> you know, how we tell people like, I love I love this for you. Like I, there were times I couldn't see that for me, but I just kept hoping and believing in the back of my mind. And so I just pray that today's just this conversation is encouraging you that when you get to your lowest moment, your lowest point, that you realize that joy is coming and that you don't get to the point where you're so overwhelmed so overwhelmed with life that you just continue on and push through as if nothing exists. You are more than worthy of just a great life and a great lifestyle. So just keep working. And I I get it. Sound somebody, just keep working. Just keep going. You're going to be okay. Listen, even when you feel like you're not okay, go ahead and acknowledge that. I don't want you to go over it like, you know, you're not allowed to say that you're okay, that you're not okay. Because if you say it, you're going to, it's going to come into your life. Baby, if you're already feeling it, it's already there. You don't need it for it to just come on with you. It's, it's there. So you're waiting on it. You're waiting on that break. And usually that's what it, what it boils down to. You're waiting on a break. When that break comes, that's when you feel that relief. And for those who have the ups and downs of Mother's Day. We know that Mother's Day is coming. It's coming next week. 
you know, I am a mom and not every woman is a mom. And, you know, if you know me by now, if you've listened to at least two or three podcasts, you should know by now I am all for women doing what's best for them. I feel like women are not women only if they can produce a child. Right. And I get how difficult that can be. Like I under, I don't I sympathize. I empathize because I, I don't understand. Like I don't know what it's like, I should say. You know, people say, I understand. I understand. Do we? Because, you know, there's a lot of things that go on with women when they are wanting to have a child and they cannot. I know someone right now who's struggling through that. And I can't even imagine the thought process that they're going through when they feel like, you know, they're tried it, everything that they could and it's not happening for them or they're around other kids or they're around people who may be pregnant or just it has to be it has to be stressful. Right. It has to be uh, sometimes feeling even debilitating like it has to. So I, I say all of that to say that next week is Mother's Day and I will be talking about mothers um, and not in the way that you think. Like I'm going to always big up moms like without a mom, none of us would be here, regardless if you want to have children of your own or whatever the case may be. None of us would be here without a, without a mother. Um now, some mothers are just the, the incubator. They literally just bring us here into this world so that we can create the lives for ourselves because some moms are not not able, not capable, don't want to. Uh, I like to call a spade a spade. You know, every woman is not a mother who has a baby. I need to say that one more time. Every woman is not a mother who has a baby. There are some women who just get caught up in the fact that they have an active sex life and they're not doing enough to take care of their, their fertility. I don't know who needs to hear this, but ladies, especially those who don't want to have children, you got to make the steps to not have them. You got to stay on your birth control. You got to have a backup method and nothing is foolproof, but you got to at least put your hand out there and, and, and try. You can't simply just be like, oh, well, I'm just going to go out here and figure this out. And whatever happens, happens. Because when it happens, what you going to do? Not every woman that has a baby is a mother. Some people just simply have children. And this is exactly why there's so many children right now who are struggling because they feel like their mother didn't want them or they didn't treat them the way that they should be treated. Right. And so Mother's Day isn't always this flowery event. Now, I enjoy my Mother's Day because... I just do. I like holidays. So if you ever heard, heard me on this podcast, you know that I'm going to talk about national holidays because I find like, I feel like there's something to celebrate every single day. And so I like holidays. And so I like Mother's Day and I'm a mother. And so I feel blessed to be able to say that. And I feel blessed because I feel like my kids are amazing. Right. And, but some people don't have cheery and up, upbeat mother, mother day. Mother's Day could be a point of pain. Christmas and Mother's Day or Father's Day and mostly Mother's Day. I hate to say this, but sorry, fathers. Mostly Mother's Day and Christmas are some of the worst holidays of the of a given year if you've experienced loss of a mother because you remember the day that your mother brought you into this world, the memories that you created or the lack thereof. And then on Christmas, you remember those old memories of you being a kid. And if your kid was battled with drama, you didn't really feel like you fit in or you didn't have the best Christmases or you felt neglected or you just felt unseen, like they bring about another level of peace. So next week I will be talking about Mother's Day and about these different aspects, these different winds and turns of how we go through different emotions. I'm not sure if I'm going to bring on a guest for next week because I really just want to have a conversation surrounding that because next week is the weekend that people suffer the hardest. I wouldn't want to leave somebody without something, without having a conversation because listen, I feel like 
I'm the type of person that will say what you wanted to say, but you can't say it out loud because people around you are so finicky. Let me give you an example, just as a prelude before next week's episode. I found that people who have lost their mother are very, as they should be, they're, they're, the pain is very, very seen, right? And I've noticed that those who have lost their mother, when you hear another person talk very vividly about the, the, the abuse that they've suffered from the hands of their mother, I'm not saying this is for all, but I have found some who are very just like, you should never talk bad about your mom. Now, I know it comes from a place of pain. So I try my best to put that in the back of my head when I hear it. But let me also say, again, as a prelude to next week's episode, if your mother was abusive and she was not the mother that she could have been or should have been, you can't diminish that for people just because it feels uncomfortable for you. Right. People get so caught up in saying you shouldn't talk about how toxic your mother is, but people on this world are dealing with toxic moms every single day and not even just children, adults who have not healed from their childhood of their parents or their mother specifically being toxic or having to try to dodge or eliminating contact altogether. That's why the whole not no contact as far as you people using it on social media has been real. And 95% of the time it's because they are talking about their mothers. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the drama and the stress that comes with the mother daughter relationship specifically. We'll talk about that because I feel like this energy that some moms give that they rather either be jealous of their child, whether female or male, they are um, envious of that child, whether female or male, and they decide to literally do the most that they can to break that child down. We're going to talk about all of that. And I get it. Some people are going to be like, well, you're not uplifting moms. Listen, one more time. I am a mother. And one more time, I enjoy Mother's Day. And one more time, that enjoyment if you truly enjoy it, will come naturally. I'm talking about the people who are laying in the gap between wanting to celebrate the idea of Mother's Day, but are struggling because of the lack of relationship that they do not have currently, or they had a bad, tumultuous relationship with them their entire childhood. So we're not going to leave that. That's not even, let me just say, it's not a small number of people either. It's a large group of people that if they say out loud that they cannot stand their mother because how their mother abused them, there are 20 other people who will make these um, uh, conversations of don't say that. That's not right. Listen, I get it. You know, we respect mothers as we always should, but we have to be honest in this day and age about how some people live their lives and the decisions that they make and how it affects other people. We have to be honest. Like we just legit have to be honest about that. We got to move past what we think should be happening and really push ourselves into what actually is happening to so many people here on this earth. So we will talk about that. I want to end my portion of this podcast because, you know, we have a guest today. We, we have a guest and we're going to talk about some theater today, some arts. Now, last episode, we did talk about the Lady Hilfers. They have an amazing show coming up on May the 13th. Tickets are available now. I want us to make sure, especially if you're in the Philadelphia area, that you support them. You know, getting in, the arts is one of those things that we know we need, but we feel like we just kind of like sprinkle a couple dollars their way. And I feel like that's not the case. People who learn crafts and they learn about the, you know, they're, they're walking in their crafts. They need our support the most. So we have a guest, Sierra, who was on the episode today, and we will talk to them about how they are matriculating through their, the arts with them and what that means and what they're doing with it and what the future looks for them. 
Okay. I want to end this particularly part of the episode just to talk about how do we create our own safe spaces? It's very hard when you feel like you're not in a safe space. And listen, if you are in a safe space to the point where it's a physically not a safe space, I'm going to tell you something that my mother always told me. Um, when I was growing up, my mother, she she dated not a lot of people, but she dated a few people by which uh, her 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 own physical um her own physicality was in danger. I say that because I remember as a child that she was dating this one gentleman who had broken into her home. And I remember her securing me and my twin sister and running and trying to get away, you know, and I can't imagine what that was like for her to leave us to secure us and make sure that we were okay, not knowing what the outcome could be. Now you may say, I'm sure back then people probably thought it was over overreactive, but listen, then and now husbands, boyfriends, ex-lovers, uh, girlfriends, whomever are killing and harming children and women. Just recently, there was a, a shooting or a, 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 a shooting where the, the husband who was a, a known rapist, this woman married this man and he killed their children, his stepchildren and two other children who had babysat. So when I say that people's physicality is in danger, there's nothing to minimize that, right? So I remember my mom having the situation where the guy broke into the home. I won't say his name, but I know, know it very well. And I was small. I remember this story very vividly. And he broke into the house. He got in through like a glass window and he was bleeding. Now, how do I know that he was bleeding when he broke into the window was because he discovered where we were and where he, we were, he was able to clean himself up. And then he went to basically clean himself up. He didn't harm me and my sister, but he went running after my mother. And at that moment, I was so small. I didn't even realize that the danger that my mother could have truly been in the, after the fact, like after we discovered we could have been in danger, then after we were sort of safe, he had enough common sense to at least leave us alone. He went running after my mother. Um, creating safe space may be hard physically, but my mother always ta taught me that, you know, one, you shouldn't don't, you know, don't stay in an abusive relationship, all those great things. But she also told me to be very wise. Sometimes we get, we tell women to just up and leave and not every woman has the, the ability to just up and leave. So my mother always told me to always have a plan. And what she meant by that was that if I was in a situation that seemed like I couldn't, you know, get out, I felt like I couldn't get out. She just started saying, make that plan, start taking and sending your bank account, your bank information to a different person's house, um, start saving all of your important documents and putting them in a safe space, you know, have a bag set. And, um, and sometimes when it's time to leave, you don't just up and leave while that person is angry in your face. Sometimes it takes them to go to work and you trying to find a way to kind of escape out of there. And now even with me, my mother telling me that I am fully aware that there are times when even if you do all of those things you could still be in a situation where you just simply can't get out and I just pray that every woman or every man whoever has experienced that can have that place where they can come out of that but creating a safe space in your home is a very important thing I think everybody should have that first of all you should have your house be a house of peace now I'm not telling you that things ain't gonna go down as far as you know arguing with somebody you know you're getting back into a verbal um, altercation with someone that's you know life is lifing but what I will say is that outside of creating your home to be a peaceful space 
When I mean for you to create a safe space, every person who occupies space in that home should have a place for just them. Now, that may not be feasible for everybody to have their own room, but they can have their own space. For instance, my daughter, my oldest, she created her own art studio within her within the house. She has actually two of them. And so when she needs to, she goes and she creates. She has clay. She has paint. She has all the things that she could possibly need. But she goes in and she creates. And it's a beautiful thing because that's her safe space. My son, he has created his. And my youngest has created hers. And I have my space as well. Everybody needs to learn how to create safe space. Now, in creating safe spaces, keep in mind, for instance, when I was going through my um, postpartum depression, not really realizing what was happening, um, my husband, who I've always felt has always been a safe space for me, um, in those times, at that time, I didn't always feel like I could speak to him candidly about it, my mental health and then feel like I was being received or heard. And so during those times, I had to learn to like find my own spacing. I had to find what made me happy and find that peace. Now, harder, hard as it was, because when you're going through postpartum, you don't even have time to think about, well, let me go in my safe space because you're so engulfed with just the stress of all the, the things that you feel are coming against you. Now, whether it's postpartum depression or whatever you're going through, it may be hard, but you have to create that safe space prior to when things fall apart because you want to have a plan in place already and not trying to develop a plan when your mind can't even think. Because I promise you, even with a plan, it's going to be hard, but you can do it. Create a safe space in your home. Make sure that there's some space that you can carve out that's just for you. And this is why self-care is important. I get it. People are so over the word self-care, but listen, you need it. You can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call it a box of Fruit Loops if that's what you identify as self-care. Listen, I don't care. Create some space. And sometimes in creating space when you can't physically create a space in your home, it's just finding those little activities that you enjoy. Last week I was uh, had posted, and I always post about when I get my nails done. Now, let me just say this. When I post about me getting my nails done, I don't just post like, oh, look at my nails, they're done. I post about the self-care of saying yes to myself because, listen, I have three kids. I run a business. I have all kinds of different responsibilities and a husband. I have a life that I created for myself. And with all of those things, I could easily say, well, you know, I need to go do, I need to clean the house or I need to go do the laundry or Oh, I need to go to the grocery store. I need to do, there's a lot of things that I need to do. But one thing about me sharing about my nails wasn't about sharing my nails. It's about saying, listen, this is my self-care for that particular moment. And in that particular moment, it was about me saying yes to me and keeping that promise to keep myself the way that I wanted to be kept, right? It was a yes for me to say, okay, I am doing the things that make me happy and I want to encourage somebody else. Well, you know how people do. They be doing the most. So somebody was like, why do you keep sharing it? I've said this one a million times. Why? And then they said that I don't share enough of self-care that is free. So what that told me was, is that one, they either felt like they wanted to get their nails done and couldn't, or they have a lack of something that they can't get done. So they're projecting on me. And number two, I felt like that person was maybe just expressing themselves and maybe they were, that was their way of reaching out. I'm not sure, but this is what I will say. I have always been the type of person that have shared the free stuff and let me keep it 100. There's been plenty of times when I haven't been able to get my nails done that I didn't crumble just because I couldn't. 
right? Or even if I felt like I wanted to crumble at times, I had to learn to adjust and readjust. So that may have meant going to the uh, to the drugstore and getting my own nail kit and doing it myself or learning how to do my own fill-ins or learning how to, you know, basically just paint or not learning how to paint, but just simply painting my nails. One thing you got to learn is that when money gets tight and you don't have the resources available, you got to get creative. You got to have that creative flair to just be like, listen, I can't create that, but let me figure out how I can make a, a roundabout. Um, and so, yeah, self-care does not have to cost you a thousand dollars. Self-care doesn't even have to cost the hundred dollars that I spend to get a pedicure and a manicure. It doesn't, but it can be something as simple as reading a magazine. It can be as simple as reading a book. I've given these examples a 20 million times. And so I say all this to say, whatever safe space that you are creating, it has to be for you because the word self already is self-explanatory self care taking care of oneself. So regardless of what my self-care is versus what your self-care is, it's not a competition. It's all about taking care of you and saying yes to you. I know so many people who get so overwhelmed with trying to complete all the things in life that they say no to them every single time. They say no to getting extra sleep because in getting extra sleep, they feel like they're being lazy. They say no to themselves for going out and taking a walk because they say, well, somebody's going to say, well, if you walked a little longer, you might lose some weight. You need to get out there and start running. Listen, you cannot live your life according to all the negative name things that people are going to say, because let me just tell you, they are going to say it. Okay, let's take care of ourselves. But today's guest is Sierra Gardner. Sierra goes by the pronouns they and them, and I will be using them interchangeably in the podcast because I respect people's pronouns and their right to choose who they want to identify, what they want to identify with and how they want to identify. So Sierra is a local actor, mover and collaborator in Philadelphia and surrounding areas. Their credits include Pierre Gent, which is an enchantment theater, Wine in the Wilderness, which I have seen and was amazing. And I didn't even put two and two together to realize that that was Sierra um, in the Philadelphia Artists Collective, Richard III, which is theater in the X, Peter and the Starcatcher, which is theater horizon, which I support their theater as well. The Gap, which was at Azuka Theater. That's one of the other theaters that I work with and Cornelius, which is Shakespeare in Clark Park. And I've worked with them as well. I don't think there's any theater. In, there may be some theaters in Philadelphia I haven't worked with, but Sierra is here. And Sierra's going to talk about their journey with arts. What is Sierra up to? And more specifically, Sierra plays Red Riding Hood. And that is happening right now at the Azuka Sorry, not Azuka. It is at the Arden Theater. Only reason why I said Azuka is because I just said it in the in her bio and their bio. Sorry, um, and I actually have seen this play and it is absolutely amazing. So let me just say this: we're going to get into the conversation with uh, Sierra in a few, but you got to be patient and come with an open mind because this is one of those productions that is very is a talkback. Now, what do I mean by that? It's not designed, or I should say it is designed for a talkback where kids and adults are going to yell out different things as things are happening. Some people are not, that doesn't work for them. But for those who do, this is an amazing play. Now, Red Riding Hood is not what you're expecting at all. Sierra does an amazing job. Her, not her, they and Joe, who also goes by they, them, um, they together are magic. Their 
energy together. They feed off of one another. It's absolutely amazing to see the both of them. So sit back. Let's listen to Sierra. Let them tell you what they feel about their journey. And again, about the, about the show that you, I hope that you're going to see. The Arden Theater is an amazing theater to be in their presence. I absolutely love the way that they do their plays. It's always so amazing. They have a summer camp for those who are looking for a summer camp. They have one available. Um, and I think you should give it a try. Kids of all ages could really thrive from being in the arts. So go ahead and give them a, a try. And again, it's the Red Riding Hood is happening now all the way to June the 9th. So you have a little bit of time, but don't wait until the last minute to make sure that you see this amazing production. And let's listen in for Sierra. All right. Conversations with Toy Family. We have a treat. We absolutely have a treat. We have Sierra and they are here. We are going to be talking about their role in Little Red Riding Hood at the Arden Theater. Now, if you know anything whatsoever about Little Red Riding Hood, just dismiss it. Completely dismiss it because it's going to be completely different when you see this show. So let's welcome Sierra. Sierra, thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your journey. How did you get started in theater all together? For sure. Yeah. So I've uh, always had a uh, grown towards I've always felt called towards being on the stage ever since like elementary school doing you know some school plays here and there but I definitely took it more seriously when I came to college um, I studied at University of the Arts I graduated with a um, BFA in acting and while I was there I studied um, dance theater as well as like clown and a lot of like physical theater um, so yeah and I think a lot of a lot of that training has brought me to where I'm at right now doing little red writing <laughs> and it shows I saw, I saw the show and you were amazing and I like the again the interactiveness because the show that I attended and I will preface this for anybody who is going it just remind the audience that it is a it's for all ages but kids are going to be more gravitated to it towards it and with that being said the kids are very responsive and I mean extremely responsive throughout the entire show so I have to say that because I feel like with some theaters and some shows, some people are just like, they're not used to that. And so they may be turned off by the fact that kids are screaming out things or they're replying, but that's actually the energy of the actual show. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we welcome all responses for the show. Um, there is no fourth wall or like there's very little fourth wall, but we break that wall down during the show. We talk directly to you and we invite you to also um, respond. And the kids love it. The kids have a great time. Um, and I hope the adults yeah. do too. <laughs> I think we did. There were the, the parents that were around me, we were rolling because some of the things that we were hearing was just like, I can't believe that kid said that. But you know how kids are like, they're going to say whatever comes to their mind. They're like, that's the purest form of kid, like just being a kid, they say whatever. And so at times when you were asking questions or when your character was asking questions, it, the responses were everywhere. Like, mm -hmm. Stuff that I, as an adult, would be more mindful of. A kid doesn't have to do that, which is like the beauty of it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> they get away yeah, with it's it. It's really fun. Right. So what has been some of your joys doing this particular show? Oh, so many. Um, being able to collaborate with my peers, um, uh, having Joe, Joe Vito Ramirez, who also studied at Headlong as well, um, 
different years uh, than I did, but we have similar training and they are uh, a fantastic collaborator. So it's been a lot of fun working with them and also working with uh, with Becky Wright in the room, uh, the director, and just having everyone's ideas be um, be shared and be in the room. It's been, it's been so much fun uh, creating this this piece. And um, yeah, and also just the, the vocal responses that we get every single day is something completely different with the kids on stage. And it's, it's such a joy to, to be with them. I like the fact that you and Joe work well. You, your energy together is absolutely dynamic because it takes that because of the way that the roles are happen. That's all I'll say. I won't say anything else beyond that. But how mm. the roles interact with one another, it's, it's definitely necessary to have that energy to go that way like did you guys have was it forced or was it really natural for you both like how was that oh it's super natural it's super natural yeah um yeah we we vibe really well and um I mean to go back to what you're saying about like how we do uh, switch characters a lot um, mm -hmm. in the show not to I don't want to give away too much but we do um, change change characters and um but it's it's more so for the story to for everyone can see a little bit of themselves in each of these different characters. You know, there's a little bit of everyone in Red Riding, a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, Wolf and everybody. There's a little bit of Grandma and everybody, and um, yeah, so it's, it's fun. Yeah, Grandma was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> grandma was very very hilarious because my son he just said he was like, Grandma, does Grandma say that? I'm like, Yeah, Grandma's saying that today. Like that's what Grandma's yeah. gonna say, and so it was just really good to see. How like even my son was interacting with it and just like curious and it's like watching him like I love watching my kids' facial expressions when they're seeing certain things and he just was like up to his like his his whole body posture was just like engaging towards the stage. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, what has been some of the challenges with doing this particular show, if there's been any? Mm -hmm. um, well, it is such a physical show. It does demand a lot of our of our bodies. So that can be a challenge, but it's a workout, you know, <laughs> and so it's, I enjoy, you know, putting my whole body into it. But when I come home, you know, it is hard to, uh, to get up once I am. <laughs> yes. How do you manage that between being, you know, again, you, you are correct. Your entire body is involved in this show. So how do you handle your downtime? Like, what are some of the things that you do in your downtime so that you can prepare for when you have to be on stage? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, relaxing, of course. Um, yeah, just taking, just, you know, feeding myself correctly, making sure that I am just making use of, of my time, not taking too much downtime, still being active. Um, yeah, just being more health conscious, I'm trying to be, especially with this show. And yeah, I and mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, we're just sitting on the couch and vibing out. out for a bit, you know, <laughs> like exactly days a week, you know, that one day is nice to just chill, go out get some things done. I feel like I'm being productive. It's good for my heart and mind. So how long did it take you guys to, uh, to both of you to figure out, like to rehearse and to bring this show together? How long did that take? Yeah, for sure. We had um, about two and a half weeks of rehearsal. And then, um, yeah, like a little less than a week of tech. And then, boom, yeah, so about three weeks in total for like, you know, to putting it all together. And then we had previews. Yeah. I honestly thought you were going to say at least two months. I was not prepared for three weeks. That is quite, that's, that's, that's amazing, especially for what I saw. Like, that was really good. 
Thank you. Let's talk about the stage. Like the stage, of course, at the show that I went to, a lot of the questions that the kids were asking, and for those who have never been um, at the shows, kids are allowed to raise their hand and get called on to ask questions. Obviously, they can't get to everybody. They can't ask all the questions, but there are times where at the end there you can ask questions. So how, again, the show, the, the set was interactive, especially at different parts where, you know, things needed to happen for you to get on and off the stage. Um, you know, how did, did you guys have to work with that together to like measure you in any way or, you know, practice getting in and out before you got it right or have to redo anything? Like, how did that all come together? Um, like practicing interacting with the audience? No, with the set, because at one point in the set, there's a part where you're in that box and you have to get in and out. Oh. And so how do you... How do you, you know, did they get the measurements correct the first time? Did they have to go back and redo it or anything like that? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. I, I don't know. Did they, they didn't really measure me, but they made the box. They made um, the set piece, that particular piece. Um, and we tried it out um, during, uh, during rehearsals. So it just happened to be a, a me size. Okay. Cause I was, yeah. my son wanted me to ask that question. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna ask. Cause he was just like, did they measure her? How did, or did they, did they, you know, how did they get you? How did, how did you make it fit? So I had to ask for my son. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, no, no, they, they didn't, they didn't measure me, but we, we did have a, uh, a doofer, a doofer trunk. Okay. that we kind of were like playing around with. And that was like a similar size that um, I didn't like fully crawl in there, but um, I think they knew it had to be a, a bigger size than that box. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. That, <laughs> I just wanted to know it just, it was just like, okay, mm -hmm. you're about to get into this, this box. And I'm like, I would personally probably get stuck just straight up off the rip. I probably would get stuck. So I was like, yeah, I'm not getting out that box at all. <laughs> at all. So it's I was stuck it's in crazy. It's tricky. I would. I'd just be like, oh, stop, mm. the, stop the play. Um, and, and the kids would just be, they probably would just be throwing stuff at me at this point because the way they was uh -oh. during my show, they was they were here. They were serious about the show. Um, what has been some of the things that you've heard or things that you've taken away from like the audience? Because again, every audience is different and every audience has a different, they all have great energy, but they're bringing something different. Has there been anything that you've taken away? Yeah, I've, I've noticed that, um, so we, we get uh, schools come in, right? So we have multiple schools come in at the same time. So we'll have like two buses uh, of kids and um, they come in with with their, their teachers or chaperones. And it's something about like having a, an audience full of kids with their own peers that they enjoy, you know, interacting with each other and with us as well um, in comparison to uh, kids with their families. I think that's... Um, slightly more uh, subdued in that sense too because they, it's a family dynamic but like kids taking over the audience with uh with their their teachers is like more unleashed in that sense so i i think that's um yeah there's this one time where we there's like a chase scene where um, mm -hmm. uh, i as red riding hood and being chased by the wolf of course and it's like back and forth and we're running around on the whole stage and there's a really fun musical sequence um that alex bechtel our um uh composer had created for us that is it's very fun and catchy and the audience was just like clapping along and cheering along and um they, it made it like it's so much more alive in that um, and I don't think that would have happened if it wasn't for, um, you know, two buses of schools, you know, coming in. <laughs> <up. laughs> 
And I was just looking on, um, I keep looking off to off at my phone and I do realize that there are shows that are happening in the morning and those are those exclusively for school students or is it a combination where other people can get tickets for those for that particular morning shows as well? Uh, it's a combination, but um, usually if it's like schools coming in, they kind of will like end up taking it all up. Right. Mm hmm. Okay. I only say that because I know there's a lot of stay at home moms who may not be able to get out like during the evening time or uh, maybe later on during like quote unquote nap time. So this yeah. would be if they had the opportunity would be a perfect time for them to get them in, have a show, go back home, have lunch and then go down for their nap. That's why I say that, because that's how I used to do my kids when they were younger. Yeah, They were going to calm down and go take a nap. Mm hmm. That's great. I mean, we have, and we have so many different, like, um, we have a lot of different shows. We have like sometimes, well, most of the days we have like two shows a day. So we have like one at, um, either 1030 or at noon. Um, and then we have like a show at, at four o'clock, um, on, um, most, on most days. Yeah. So I'm looking at that now mm -hmm. and, um, and Friday nights, I see that there's like a late, like a seven o'clock, which is good for mm -hmm. you to calm down from going home from work and then getting, situated it was funny on our our walk in because it took me a couple times to find parking so if you are going try to go a little earlier to get your parking always the case however like even when we were walking in i was like i could tell the parents that were coming to the show because it was just a whole conglomerate of kids just just going um and at the end of the show i love the fact that each kid is allowed to take a poster home yeah. which is always great which doesn't always happen at all the productions so that was good a little keepsake for them Absolutely. And I think that's like something that's really important that I really value about children's theater um, and just what we're doing with the talkbacks and like just like breaking down that fourth wall and um, speaking directly to these kids, I think is. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's something about like showing showing them love directly and like being present with them. Um, you know, they, they are able to see themselves in the people on the stage. They're able to have that little that little piece to take with them and remember it and, you know, and uh, hopefully inspire them to, if they want to be on stage or, you know, find their creative outlook, um, creative paths. So I think it's, it's something that's just really, I like being personal with them. And this is your, this is your first like big children's show. Is that the, is that correct? Yes, yes. My first like children's theater, I would say. I did work with Enchantment Theater, who does do a lot of um, children's theater shows as well. Um, I we did Pierre Gint at the Kimmel Center uh, in February, and that had a largely uh, a, um, a st you know student and like kid audience families as well. But um, yeah, this is this is a bigger one for sure. This is a big one. A yeah, big my one. daughter went to the one in the Kimmel in February, so she enjoyed that as well. Oh, cool. Um, and I love the fact that Arden, again, because it, especially for the children's theater, they do a great job. They have a summer camp that's coming up and they also have the summer, um, the Arden summer camp and the drama school that they do, which is great because again, like you said, bringing kids into theater so they can see themselves or have that desire to look ahead and see what they may want to do. Um, was theater your, your number one choice from the gate? Like you knew you were going to do some form of theater? as you were growing up, but what was your, if you had to go back to like when you were younger, what was the, the, the goal you were going to be when you were younger? I, I've always loved theater, but like part of me wanted to be like a scientist also, <laughs> just a broad <laughs> scientist. I wanted to like, you know, mix things. And um, yeah, I loved 
making a you know one of those volcanoes that seemed really cool and then i also really enjoyed uh creative writing if, if acting didn't work out i wanted to do creative writing for sure maybe some journalism you can actually put, you could you could fuse the two you can actually do a little bit of writing and then you could do your own productions too i could you know and i i do enjoy doing that for sure i i also do have a um a background in devised theater as well so creating theater from the ground up and like producing some own my own some of my own pieces um and writing poetry along with those pieces too so i i do try to um yeah pepper that in here and there <laughs> i have the chance but um yeah you got to i mean you got to, if you have the skill you you got to add it in there yeah <laughs> you got to add it in there um and this show is going for quite some time june the 9th is the last show so far that we're aware of Yes. Um, and this is a long run, but it allows, you know, what does that say to you or how does that make you feel? Oh, I'm so excited. The fact that we are like just now beginning, you know, we just opened Saturday night. Um, and we have, yeah, so much time to, to grow with this piece. Like, I think I've, I've found where I fit in this, me myself, Sierra, and also I've gotten, I've grown to know and love these characters and the story. Um, but there's so much room to grow with it and see how we can fuse together and maybe like what else can I pick up on and like how can I, um, yeah, how can I be more open for the for the audience? How can I receive more? Uh, I'm just ready for this journey. I love that. So anyone that's listening, you have some time. Don't wait till the last minute. Because, you know, get in here and see this show. It's really amazing. Again, my son and I had an amazing time spending that little one-on-one time with him, bringing him to the show. And then, of course, listening to all his questions as we're walking back and just saying to him, well, that's that's the new spin on that. That's something else. Because as I try to explain to him, like theater gives you so much growth that you can do anything with it. So you don't have to stay in a box. Theater is where you kind of explode and like let your imagination fly. Absolutely. Yeah, it's. It is, it's always changing. It's always, it's magical. You know, it's, there's never going to be one thing that's going to be the same. Every single show will be different and you can even take the same show, get different actors in there and it will be a completely different piece. And I, I love that about theater. And it's, um, it's, it's so alive because you're right there in the space with these actors, seeing them um, unfold the story right in front of you. It's not like, you know, a TV or a film where, Things are kind of like patched together, like things are right in front of you and it's painful. Right. What are some of the things that you are either looking forward to doing after, you know, while the show is going on or after the show is going on? Like, do you have anything that's on the horizon that you're working through, working on? What are you working towards? Um, yeah, I recently just booked um, a role with um, the Del Shakes this summer. I'll be playing Lady Macbeth and Macbeth. So I'm really excited for that. Um, and that starts uh, right after we close, like like a week after we close, I uh, get into the rehearsals of that. <laughs> You're not taking no types of break. No. <laughs> Do you have any vacations or some downtime coming up anytime soon? You know, I'll I'll take the downtime when I can, but it's all, you know, I'm uh, very happy to be working right now. So I'm uh, going to keep that ball rolling. Hey, get, get your coin, get your money um, and do what you love. I mean, it's really the both, best of both worlds. What are some of the things that you do for, I know we talked about some downtime and what you do to get ready for the show, but what are some of the things that you gravitate towards when it comes to things like self-care? Mm -hmm. um, I, I enjoy, I enjoy being at home. I enjoy my apartment. 
Um, but I also love, you know, especially now that the weather is getting better, I, I love to bike ride. So I love going on my little leisure bike rides around the city, going on a nice little stroll, getting some sun. Um, and yeah, you know, picking up my, my pen and my, my notebook and writing my feelings out also too. That's a lot of my self-care comes from uh, reflecting on, on my, you know, what goes on in my, in my day and my mind. I love hearing that. A lot of people don't realize how much journaling or writing your feelings out or writing your thoughts, even if it's scrambled, even if it doesn't make sense, just getting it out on paper and doing like a mind dump, how amazing that could feel just to get it out there and feel like you've, even if no one else sees it, just feel like you've seen and you're you're seen in that moment. That's always amazing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then being able to like go back and like, because you've made it tangible and being able to like, you know, reflect on it and see where you were and like how far you've come from that and like where... You know, it's, it's, yeah, to be able to see your own processes is important. And I also too, I, when I go back to looking at journals and things that I've written down, I also can recognize patterns. So if there's certain times of year that certain things are triggering me at certain times and I'll notice like, oh, in December or January, certain things are happening, then it helps me to be aware. For me, it just helps me to be aware and like, look, be aware of what I need to focus on, what I need to work through. So I love it for that reason too. I love that. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. So the show is happening now. Um, It ends January. I mean, June the 9th. And you have another show you're going to be going into very shortly after. Um, And again, last final words for the audience who are listening, who have yet to get their tickets. How, what would you say to them? Oh, you are in for a treat. If you are willing to come and be a part of this silly time with us. Um, yeah, if you want to let your guard down and engage with us and the audience, uh, you're going to have a fantastic time. Come through to Red Riding Hood at the Arden. Yes. yes. And for <laughs> those who are listening, because you know how we do, we will make sure that not only um, the Arden's Theater's uh, website is there, but for you to also get tickets so that you can know before you go. Um, what I will say again, I stress for those who have never been to the Arden, make sure that you go a little earlier to secure you new parking. There's parking that's sort of kind of close, and then there's some parking you got to walk to, but it's it's available. And um, come early, that you can bring a treat or something into the theater most times, and you know just have a really good time. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of our conversations. We cannot wait to continue to support what you're doing. Um, I love everything about this particular show. Um, I love Arden and how they just, they, they take stories and they just open them up. And for children, especially, it's just a great thing for them to see. My kids enjoy coming. I enjoy meeting um, artists like yourself and just, you know, getting to know you more and like know your journey. So I'm um, anything I can do to support, I'm willing to do. Thank you so much, Latoya. I'm so happy to be here and connect with you. This means a lot. Thank you. Awesome. So what did you think? Sierra is absolutely amazing. They bring so much energy and I enjoyed watching them in the Red Riding Hood. I enjoyed just the atmosphere. I'm telling you, this production is absolutely amazing. Remember, it is playing at the Arden Theater all the way until June 9th. Support uh, Sierra and Joe because it's a two, um, it's a two cast uh, production because you just have the, the, the wolf and, and you'll see it. It's, it's, it's got a little, it's, it's a flip, so you got to watch it. got to go see it. Um, I took my son to see it. He absolutely loved it, as you heard in the episode. And so I may end up going back and taking the, my other two children because I think they would love it as well. In addition, I hope that you have a great weekend. 
this weekend should be a lot of fun. Listen, I know that Cinco de Mayo is today. We talked about this at the beginning of the episode. Make sure that you drink responsibly. Make sure you find at least one. And I mean, literally at least you do, you can do more, but at least find one activity that you love, something that is going to build you up, make you feel amazing. Something that's going to make you realize and remember yourself that you love yourself and just show yourself some kindness. I know life is hard. Life is hard for just everywhere. And I want you to just understand that no matter how life, how hard life may get, I know people are going to say you're stronger and you are. But the other part of it is, is that just remember that whatever you've gotten through that felt like your worst, the last time you was in your worst, the fact that you have a new worst lets you know that you're going to be able to be okay. You're going to find a way. It's going to happen. Um, take care of yourself. Really do. Uh, the drink of the day, because it is Cinco de Mayo, we got to throw it to a margarita. So today's margarita flavor for the drink of the day is prickly pear margarita. It's one of my favorites. Um... There's a restaurant, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, that makes it down here. And my God, it's good. So the prickly pear margarita is the drink of the day in celebration of Cinco de Mayo. I do not prefer um, anything on my rim for this particular drink. I think the drink stands alone, doesn't need a rim at all, anything salt or sugar. However, it is amazing. And in the show notes, you will have your own recipe to make your own prickly pear as you prepare for... Cinco de Mayo. So have an amazing week. Uh, next week, remember, we will be back. We'll be talking about Mother's Day. And again, I'm going to, I think I'm going to put a trigger warning on that episode just because I know some people are going to feel all of the things. So I will put a trigger warning for next um, episode. If you've been here long enough, you know that if I feel like a topic is going to just really be something that's going to cause, you know, mental anguish or something that makes you think I'm going to put a trigger warning on the episode. So that next week episode will have a trigger warning. In addition, I'm going to be celebrating my birthday this upcoming Wednesday. Your girl's going to be 42. I have no shame in sharing my age. Listen, I don't really have an issue with sharing my age. Maybe when I get older, maybe when I get to like 60, 70, maybe, but you know what? I probably won't because so many people are leaving this earth at ages younger than mine. So anytime that you can be on this earth and share in that joy of just being alive and happy, I'm, I'm here for that. So have yourself a great weekend. Do one thing for yourself. Go see the show Red Riding Hood at the Arden Theater happening now until June 9th. Thank you, Sierra, for your time and your talent. I wish you nothing but the best in your future endeavors. I know I will see you again because apparently I didn't even realize and put two and two together that I'd already seen you in a production before. So um, that happens a lot here in Philadelphia. There's so many people there. There's so many amazing actors actors and actresses here. I mean, absolutely hands down, amazing actresses and actors. Um, okay. That's it for now. Have a great weekend and we will be back. We will be back again next week for conversations with toy. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.